welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. It is May 27th. I am Dave Gasper, and I am joined by my co-host, Matt Carroll. And we are the editors at ReviewingTheBrew.com. The Brewers decided to dramatically cut down on the timeliness of last week's podcast episode uh, with Grant Pulse by trading for Willie Adamas right after we recorded and posted last week's episode. So we didn't really get the the longevity out of, out of last week's, Matt. No, we definitely did not. Um, but between that, uh, a lot of good stuff to talk about. Otherwise, Brewers are... Looking up after uh, we had recorded, they had just been swept in two games by the Royals. So, you know, looking a little bit better. Get a series win against the Reds. Get a split against the Padres as of earlier today before our recording. So looking a little better. And then uh, Willie Adamas has had a huge part to play in a lot of these games. So lots of interesting stuff ever since that pod. Oh, yeah. So many things to talk about. So many things happening. Um, And it's just... Uh, kind of been been a whirlwind that whole week and um, the offense has really kind of also been struggling and you know the ups and downs of getting leads blowing leads are you holding up well Matt because I'm not entirely holding up well I I think I'm gonna need something (laughs) stronger than my Miller Lite here I've got well that said I've got a nice strong it's called a chocolate milk stout I I went for so thick and heavy because yeah the the way these Brewers games go sometimes, the, when we're scoring lately, we're blowing leads or we're not scoring, but we're keeping the game close at least till the end with amazing starting pitching. It just every every game is a nervous wreck for Brewers fans. And you know what? We, we've called them the cardiac crew in the past. And I guess <laughs> 2021 is no different. Yeah, the beer you're drinking the description of it reminds me a lot of Daniel Vogelbach. It's thick, it's heavy, <laughs> it's a stout. Yeah. So you've got you've got the Daniel Vogelbach of beers. Although that that is a chocolate milk one, and it, if it was a Daniel Vogelbach one, it might just be a, a regular uh, <laughs> white milk stout. But true, <laughs> this might be the Eric Thames. Then I know he's the not Eric with us Thames anymore, at but... the Jesus Aguilar of beers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ah, Jesus uh, Aguilar, how we miss him. Oh, we do. Uh, so In so many ways. But all right, let, let's get right into the big news of the week. Willie Adamas is the new Brewers starting shortstop. Uh, David Stearns making a big-time trade. Last week we were talking about, I was like, oh, you know, what what do you do with uh, Luis Arias and, and the comments that uh, Craig Council made and, you know, his struggles defensively and, you know, some of the struggles offensively. And uh, the Brewers came out with an answer very quickly, uh, deciding that they would pull Urias from the starting shortstop job. They would acquire Willie Adamas from the Rays, along with Trevor Richards, in exchange for a quarter of the Brewers bullpen. J.P. <laughs> Feyerizen and Drew Rasmussen, two of the eight guys out there in that bullpen, uh, they go down to Tampa Bay, and, you know, David Stearns feels like he's getting possibly the shortstop of the future here for the Brewers, although he also did say that about uh, Luis Arias, and then he only got six weeks on the job. We can talk more about that later on here in the pod. Uh, but Adamus now comes in, and he feels that he's going to be the shortstop of the future, and in the meantime, it guts the bullpen depth. But, uh, Matt, your thoughts on just getting Adamus on the roster? You know, the Brewers, ever since they started rolling out Orlando Arcia back in the day, have been struggling to find that official shortstop of the future. We thought it was Arcia. He was a top prospect for the Brewers, and he just never quite panned out. He never, outside of his defense, accounted to anything other than pretty much average in a season. That was his most recent season. Um, move on to Urias and think they're going to give him a chance. And basically because of his defense, they end up shutting it down quickly, move down to Adamus. And I have really enjoyed what I have seen so far. He has lived up to the defensive billing. I think there at shortstop. Um, He's had some big moments for the Brewers already. And that kind of culminated in today's four for five game with four RBIs and a three-run homer, a deep three-run homer. That was a no-doubter. His his little 
uh, home run trot right after that and bat flip over towards the dugout was just a thing of beauty with, uh, you know, similar type of player in Tatis watching that from the other uh, dugout, which I thought was kind of cool, too. Um, but I, the hardest part about this is, like you said, the fact that they gutted the bullpen a little bit. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, you need a good bullpen to make the playoffs and the Brewers bullpen was already struggling a little bit before they got rid of those two players. So that does leave me with some concern, Um, but they have a legit guy. They have a dude, if you will, (laughs) what term we've used many times on this podcast. They have a dude in Willie Adamas. And one of the most interesting things I think that uh, a lot of us were pointing out after that trade were his insane home road splits that he had as a member of the Rays, he did not hit well at all at home for Tampa, but he was great on the road at basically any other ballpark besides that. And he even had said himself, he couldn't quite put his finger on why he couldn't hit well uh, for Tampa, but we know he has the power, the ability to have a good offensive season. He's had them in the past better than any single season that Arcia or Urias have put up in their careers. I, I think it's a good move. It finally puts someone in that position that the Brewers can count on going forward. I don't know if Urias eventually moves to second after Wong leaves or if he stays as super utility or what his future officially holds. It kind of makes that trade a bummer now in retrospect, unless Lauer blossoms into something, although he's looking good recently. Um, but just in general, I think the Adamus move is a good first step for the Brewers in trying to address some problems. It just now kind of results in some other holes that need to be patched. Yeah, it, it really does. And that's something that's really kind of been evident over the last week with Fireyes and Erasmussen gone. Uh, in the bullpen, you're really down to Josh Hader and Devin Williams. And Williams hasn't been uh, his dominant self that he was last year. Then you got Brad Boxberger, maybe as the seventh inning guy now. And that's really kind of it for your A group. I mean, Brent Suter's kind of a swing guy. You know, he could be um, A group, B group, long relief, whatever. Um, and, and they've used him in, in the 10th inning um, each of the past uh, couple of times they've been in extras. And typically that was uh, Drew Rasmussen's role that, that he did quite well in. Uh, whereas Suter is more of a pitch-to-contact type guy. And when you have a runner on second, when you're starting an inning with runner on second, a pitch-to-contact guy isn't typically someone that you want in that role. Uh, it did not work out on Wednesday night. And it, it worked out on Thursday here, but um, it, it's a very risky proposition having uh, Suter being that regular 10th inning guy. So uh, they, they need some help uh, back there, I, I feel like. And, and they're going to need to make some additions, and I believe they will at the deadline. But they also kind of need additions now. And I don't really see any coming on the horizon in any trades here. I mean, the Brewers really kind of cut into that bullpen depth. And Justin Topa, they're expecting back from injury, uh, but he's still got at least another month or two. Right. Uh, And there's a couple other uh, injured guys down there. One that has kind of started rehabbing at this point uh, in Bobby Wall. He has not looked great Uh, down even as far as double A. He has not looked great. So I don't know that we really count on him. Ray Black, I don't believe, has even started pitching yet. So um, I I don't know that he was uh, his timetable, I believe, was pretty long. Um, based off of his injury, but that's not someone we can count on right now. And then you've got a lot of those like minor league contract type guys. Um, I, I, I liked the few guys that, you know, I'm a big Quentin Torres Costa fan. Um, Miguel mm-hmm. Sanchez, I think was a, a great name to throw out there. Um, but those are kind of guys you'd be taking a, a risk at uh, risk with because they haven't pitched yet in the major leagues. Otherwise it's those guys that are kind of like the Hobie Milners and Blaine Hardy's and the Zach Godley's. If you want to add them back in. Yeah. And like Uh, none of those guys are, are a group type arms. Correct. Yeah. So that like that, that's it. That's all your eighties holes with right now. And maybe one of them ends up surprising, but I think that's the best case scenario is one of them gets called up and, is pleasantly surprising outside of that. Yeah. 
some moves will have to be made and can they really wait all the way until the trade deadline to do that? Like at what point, I mean, Stearns has been making moves already. So, you know, what's the stop already this year, right? What's to stop him from continuing to do that? But they're, they're going to need to patch this up a little bit more because it's yeah. After those first few, it's, it looks pretty rough. Yeah, it certainly has. And um, that's something that's going to need to be addressed. And, you know, Stern said at the time of the trade that, you know, this wasn't in response to Urias's poor defensive games um, in, in the days before. But it's really kind of hard to believe that right. when, you know, right after Urias had a poor defensive game and Craig's like, oh, we're going to need to um, take a chance to, you know, like work with him. He's in a mental slump. You know, we got we got to do our best with him and. Really, his comments are like, hmm, it sounds like Urias is losing his job relatively soon. And then all of a sudden they trade for Adamus, and it's like, hmm, are you sure these two things aren't related? And I mean, they they probably were talking for a whole for a couple of months about this. And I, I think Stearns was, you know, Stearns is someone who uh, leaves no stone unturned. Right. So he he'll look at everyone. He'll call on everyone. Um, and they've probably been talking and. Look, the Rays know that that they were going to have to trade Adamas at some point. They got three shortstops in AAA that are hotshot prospects. You got Taylor Walls, you got uh, Vidal Brujan, and you got Wander Franco. And Franco is the top prospect in all of baseball. And eventually you're going to need a clear room for him. And to do that, you're going to have to trade Adamas. Uh, So they knew that that was coming. So they were looking for suitors. And meanwhile, David Stearns already had Luis Arias. Um, and he had Orlando Arcia, and he had to clear Arcia out of the way to give Urias a, a chance at the starting job to see what he had in him. Um, and then he saw six weeks of him and felt this isn't good enough and decided to make the trade be, because that offer was there, because Adamus was available, and he he felt it, it needed to be done. Now, it's, it's kind of weird to me how Orlando Arcia got five years. He got a long, long leash. He got five years to try to prove himself to be the starting shortstop. His offensive slumps, his, you know, mishandling of routine plays from time to time, through all that, the Brewers stuck with him. And then Urias gets a job, has essentially three bad games. Seven of his nine errors were in three games. And he loses the job. And it is very difficult for me to kind of wrap my head around how they've gone from giving a guy five years to giving a 23-year-old just six weeks on the job and then already getting his replacement. You know, you have to wonder if maybe before the season, the Brewers brass got together and said, we need to figure out the middle of the field. Second Mm -hmm. base, shortstop, center, Catcher is essentially figured out. We've got two veteran guys coming back. But if one of them fails, maybe we have to make a move. But we need to get that figured out. Um, That always used to be a staple is strong up the middle. And then they kind of, you know, as they started becoming more competitive and getting closer to playoffs, it was kind of, you know, craft the roster more around what's going to get us, you know, to that final goal. But it seems like they're kind of resorting back to that strong up the middle philosophy and making it happen and making it be strong in terms of run prevention, no matter what they brought in Colton Wong at second base. And you wonder if maybe before the season, they said, we need to get shortstop figured out no matter what, whatever we have to do. And if something looks like it's not going to work, then we need to change focus and bring someone else in who does because they moved on from Arcia quickly to begin this season, and they moved on from Urias quickly to begin this season. So maybe that was something that they just set as a goal before the season even started. We will get shortstop figured out no matter what it takes. Yeah, and that's somewhere, I mean, you look at the trades. I mean, the the trade to get Urias, it was really to light a fire under Arcia and try to compete with him and be like, okay, mm-hmm. you've had plenty of opportunities. Now you've got some actual competition. It's no longer the Tyler Saladinos and the career minor leaguers that are going to be trying to bounce you from this position. We're going to get you some actual competition in Luis Arias. And then Arias has COVID. 
Um, he misses the start of the year. He had the hamate bone, missed, missed spring training. So he never really was able to get going last year. So Arcia essentially held on to the job. And he he did better, but he didn't do good enough, obviously, to hold on to it. So they gave Urias a job pretty much in the early going in spring training. Um, so we they said, we need to see him at shortstop. And, you know, by all, like, for the most part, things have been going well through spring training, and he was hitting a lot better. It's like, okay, here we go. This is this is the guy. And now they've, you know, they, they, they took everything. They, they took Arcia out, and they got two very mediocre bullpen guys. You know, Weigel hasn't really shown that much. Sabatka hasn't even pitched in AAA. Last I heard, he had a sinus infection. But, you know, it, it's been... Um, nearly two months now, and he still hasn't pitched down in, in AAA. So there, I don't know what's going on there. Um, and even if, when he is healthy, he's probably a, a B-group bullpen arm. So then you trade for those two relievers. You, you trade away the shortstop, and then you're trading two far better relievers to get another shortstop back in Willie Adamas, who, I mean, to be fair, he's he's probably a better shortstop than Orlando Arcia. Um, but it just, it just seems so weird the way that they've handled the shortstop situation, you know, getting Urias and giving up Trent Grisham, uh, for him. And, and that trade is now officially a bust. Um, the fact that you pulled Urias from the starting shortstop job after six weeks, that trade's a bust. No matter what Urias does, um, no matter what Eric Lauer does, if, if Urias isn't the starting shortstop of the team going forward, this trade's a bust. With what Trent Grisham's doing, with what they turned Zach Davies into, that trade's a bust. That, that's that's hands down. That that decision uh, has been made. The, we we held out hope as long as we could, but there is no mistaking it now. Um, but you know, you you make these trades with these shortstops, and Urias is going to get essentially the short end of the stick. It looks like you know with Arcia getting so much time. Um, and now Urias getting so little, and then Adamas, um, he's going to end up, you know, essentially being given the job outright. And, you know, then Urias just kind of gets stuck with a team where he's not going to get a chance to to show what he can do going forward because Adamas has several years of team control. Yeah. Um, I It's unless... Eric Lauer becomes the Cy Young winner. <laughs> Maybe you could call the trade even. Uh, that's going to yeah. be really hard, though, when you're on a team with Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff. <laughs> and Freddie. And Freddie. Can you? I, I was thinking of this earlier. Um, it's kind of crazy to think Freddie could continue having to get you know a little off base here. Freddie could continue having the year that he's having and probably not make an All Star appearance because the Brewers will already have. Burns, Woodruff, and Hader likely in the all-star game, and there's no way they put in a fourth Brewers pitcher. Like, Freddie Peralta yeah. could continue at his current pace and not make the all-star game. Is that crazy? That is crazy. That's like, absolutely he's gonna insane. Be, he's going to be on all these snub lists, and it's going to be because, like, how do you just put the entire Brewers pitching staff on the freaking all-star roster? So, yeah. anyway... I digress. Um, yeah, the only way that trade balances out is if Eric Lauer now turns into some kind of stud because he would at least then completely wipe out uh, Zach Davies, although Zach Davies did get the Padres, was part of what got the Padres, you Darvish. And so in that sense, I guess, you know, it, it's, it is hard unless something insane happens in which Urias does somehow end up back at shortstop, but that's only uh, another trade or uh, and God forbid injury, um, or if we now flip Urias around for someone else in a different trade, you know, maybe that balances out in the end or balances the books, uh, if you want to say it. But I, I agree with you. I don't, you can try and say what you will. You can try and say, you know, Urias is young and there's still time for this trade to officially say whether it's uh, who won it, but. Yeah, if he's not the starter, it's real hard to say that it's not a bust at this point. Yeah, because you're giving up a productive starting center fielder in Trent Grisham and mm -hmm. a productive uh, rotation piece in, well, I mean, Zach Davies was productive last year. Then they turned him into Hugh Darvish, who's also quite productive. Mm -hmm. um, 
and you give that up for a super utility guy and a six starter. That's essentially what Lauer is. He's a six starter. Um, so yeah, that that's just kind of it, it's not uh, the Brewers did not win that trade. They, they, that was a a big L no. for them. Um, and their shortstop situation. I mean, trying to get it figured out. I mean, it's been really kind of a struggle for years. I mean, the the last three war shortstop that the Brewers had was Jonathan VR in 2016. Prior to that, you had Gene Segura uh, in 2013, um, who had one really good year and then two pretty mediocre years. And then he ended up having to get traded. We thought he was going to be the shortstop of the future. And then we thought it was going to be VR. Uh, and, and then, you know, it, it came up and it was going to be Arcia. And then Arcia kind of never really did what anyone expected. And it was going to be Urias. And now it's Adamas. And, you know, even prior to Seguro, who did we have a shortstop? Cesar Asturias. Before that, <laughs> Unieski Betancourt. Um, and before that, you had Alcides Escobar. Then you traded him. Um, and then prior to that, you had J.J. Hardy. And that was that was your, your homegrown starting shortstop. Um, that, that was pretty productive. J.J. Hardy, um, really kind of the last one. Um, so it's just kind of been up and down for for a number of years, and that position really kind of hasn't been settled. And I, I was looking at previous draft classes because this is what I do because I'm a draft nerd. Matt, do you know – okay, so the Brewers drafted Bryce Terang at shortstop in 2018 in the first round. Do you know who was the last Brewer, the last shortstop the Brewers drafted in the first round prior to Bryce Terang? Hmm. I do not. Do you have any idea when that was? Any guess as to when that was? I'm thinking a, like a mid thousands, like pre JJ Hardy, but not much farther. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> You wish. Oh, 1987. God. Ooh. Bill Spires. Billy Spires, Spires in 1987 was the last first round shortstop the Brewers took prior to Bryce Terang. 31 Ooh. years Ooh. in between first round shortstops. Like, we like to complain about the Packers not drafting a first round uh. wide receiver since 2002. That's that, that's what now? 18 years? The Brewers went 31 years without a first-round shortstop. And what's even more insane is that in the in the 1980s there, they drafted five shortstops in the first round in six years. Dale Swain, 1982. Isaiah Clark, 1984. B.J. Surhoff, 1985, although they moved him to catcher. Gary Sheffield, 1986. God, that was a bust. Uh, Bill Spires, 1987, all shortstops from 82 to 87. Then in 83, they had Dan Plesak, who was also a pretty good pick. Um, But they did not go shortstop from 1987 to 2018 in the first round. They've had so much turnover and so much lack of production there since, since the Robin Yount era, really. I mean, you, you had, you know, Jose Valentin, who was, you know, okay for a couple years there in the 90s. You had Listash for a couple years. Yeah, you had Spears there, who was, you know, okay, nothing special. Um, then you had, you know, the Mark Loretta. You had the Jose Hernandez. God, they had Royce Clayton in 2003. Oh, my God. Negative yeah. 1.3 war. Uh, Craig Council in 2004 is the primary shortstop. Then 2005, J.J. Hardy showed up. I think Hardy was a second-round pick. Um, but so much turnover and, and really so much, like, so little success at shortstop since since Robin Yount. And, I mean, they haven't invested early on in there. Um, and, I mean, now you got the trade here for Adamas, who's, who's an expert shortstop. And the one who's in line after that is Bryce Terang. He, he's in double-A. And, I mean, Adamas is under control for the next three seasons. And Terang is going to be ready by then. Um, so I, I believe I saw one of these question, uh, this question on Twitter uh, somewhere. It's like, what, what does this mean for Bryce Terang with Adamas being here and being around and hoping to be around for several more years? Is Terang expendable? 
now. Matt, what do you think? Um, I don't know about that. Um, I, I'd seen some projections even early on with Terang uh, of scouts that ultimately thought maybe he was more of a second baseman than a shortstop. Um, so I think there's some options potentially there, especially since we don't have Wong forever. Um, so I think there's still potentially a fit. That's not to say it would be impossible for him to be traded. I'm sure if the Brewers wanted to put together some uh, big trade package for uh, someone either in a deadline deal or something like that, um, they could decide that they have um, enough depth at shortstop between uh, Adamas, Urias, and a lot of the uh, other shortstops actually that they've drafted recently. Um, you know, it's I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, but at the same time, I think Terang would still have a place on this team. Uh, what do you think? I mean, I, I think it makes it a lot easier for the Brewers to trade him. I, I really do. I mean, you, you look at uh, you, you look at the top of this farm system, and I mean the players that they got there. You got Garrett Mitchell, you got Hedbert Perez, you got Bryce Terang, you got Ethan Small, Mario Feliciano, Antoine Kelly, Aaron Ashby. Really, of that group, there is no one. I, I I would be okay with the Brewers trading. I mean, mm-hmm. Feliciano's likely your catcher of the future. Uh, Small, Ashby, and Kelly are, are your big um, arms in, in your system. Uh, they're really kind of leading the way there. And the reason that you're good with uh, your rotation going forward, <clears throat> Mitchell and Hedbert Perez are two five-tool outfielders that uh, the Brewers should not really trade. So, I mean, of that group, Terang um, I, I think this makes him I think it, it makes it a little bit more easier for the Brewers to swallow trading him to get, you know, maybe a big time third baseman or, or something at the trade mm-hmm. deadline or, or get an upgrade um, wherever the, that they need it. And I think third base is probably their, their biggest need um, when it comes to uh, the trade deadline, because I don't think they're going to go for a first baseman with Keston Hira still there, even though he is struggling. Um, but I think that does make him a, a little bit more expendable and, and make it easier for the Brewers to stomach trading him. Um, you know, it, it would suck to to trade one of those first round picks. that's actually performed well. Um, and, and it would suck to see him, you know, kind of succeed elsewhere, knowing that you drafted him and could have had him. But, you know, if Adamus hits as expected, then that's a little bit easier to stomach. But I, I just think it makes it a whole lot easier for them to trade him. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, I, I could see either scenario in this case. And if you look at the, uh, top 30 prospects for the Brewers, um, four non-terrain prospects of the top 16 are shortstops in Freddy Zamora, Eduardo Garcia, Jackson Churio, and Hayden Cantrell. So that's a ton yeah. of shortstop depth. And um, three of the four names that um, I just named are playing in the Brewers minor league system. They're higher than, you know, uh, rookie, rookie leagues or whatever. Um, so... Yeah, I could see that being a position of strength that they could put him together as part of a trade package. But again, I think if they believe that he can be a part of the Brewers' future, that they will find a spot for him, too. So, Yeah, this is something they'll probably dig into in, in an article on in the, in the next uh, couple of days. So be sure to check ReviewingTheBrew.com uh, for that. So uh, what I want to get to now is uh, one of the names I just mentioned there, Keston Hira at first base. They sent him down to AAA, and um, he kind of took like a week off, visited his family, came back, and he started raking. He he looked like the Keston Hero of old. He was hitting bombs. He was hitting off-speed pitches, hitting fastballs, uh, hitting doubles, hitting homers, really looking comfortable at the plate. And they called him back up because, you know, things were looking good, hoping to kind of continue that momentum. And the momentum has not continued. Another couple of strikeouts here on Thursday and really just kind of, you know, it's looking like it was before. He's missing 89 right down the middle, missing 93 right down the middle, pretty straight pitches and um, really just struggling to to see the ball, struggling to time things up again. And, you know, he's had a few hard hit balls, but it's really just kind of looking like the Keston hero we saw back in April. Hey, but he did lay down a sacrifice bunt today. <laughs> so that happens. He did bunt. He, he is able <laughs> he to did, do that. He did. And that was a beauty of a bunt, by the way. Um, it, was, it, get, was, it was. It was. Yeah. Textbook. Yeah. We don't get to see those very often, but that's a discussion 
for a different day. Um, he did have a hit in his first game back, but yeah, uh, nothing outside of that. Lots of strikeouts. He was mashing down in the minors, but he was also striking out a decent amount down there. He was over 30%. So it, bringing him back up, there was the risk that he was still going to whiff quite a bit. And that has been the case. So uh, it's been three games. I know it looks to us exactly like it looked before. Um, but hopefully he just needs some time. The problem is the Brewers just needed any bit of offense that they can get because it's been so, I mean, at the very least, lately they've been putting up some runs. Um, in the last seven games, they have put up four or more in five of those. So that's better than they were looking for a while, but they still need it to become more consistent. And so if there was the chance that he was looking like his old self, it was worth bringing him up. If it comes down to it, they can always, you know, send them back down and, you know, get back in that groove again. But, you know, it's only been three days, so hopefully he just needs to, you know, get that momentum back. I don't know. It's uh, I, I was hoping to see what we saw down in the minors. And no, you're right. That has not quite been the case yet. Yeah, and the same thing kind of goes for uh, Christian Yelich. Um, he's come back from his back injury and he's been pretty slow to return. Had a couple hits there against the Reds, uh, including a home run, his first of the season. Um, but really, I mean, he's striking out a bunch still. Uh, when he does make contact, it's a lot on the ground, grounding out. And I mean, he, he really has kind of always hit it on the ground a lot. He, he's always been a ground ball hitter, but always kind of been finding holes. Uh, and now that's not really happening as much. He's not really going to the opposite field that much either. Um, and this just it doesn't look like the Christian Yelich that we've seen uh, in for the past two years for, for 2018, 2019. Um, it doesn't look like the, the same kind of hitter. So, you know, you, you want to give him some time because, you know, he, he did miss a month with a back issue. But when should we start to worry about Christian Yelich? Oh, that's a good question. Um I don't know. I, I like do we treat this like it's the beginning of the season essentially and you know kind of prorate it based off of that like at what point if it were from the beginning of the season until x point do you say okay now we're concerned um because some you know he did just come back from injury they have held him out of a couple of those games so he's only played in it looks like six games seven games um since he came back so you know that's that's not a ton um, it's it's been a lot of days since he came back, but he hasn't played on all those days. Um, yeah. They've been trying to ease him in because of coming back from the back injury. They don't want to flare up anything like that. So and maybe he's still kind of, um, you know, getting a handle on, you know, feeling comfortable. Maybe he's, you know, got some slight unease that he doesn't want something to flare up um, of the contact that he has made. It looks like he has um, five hits that are over that or five. Uh, batted ball events, as they call them on StatCast, um, over 95 miles an hour exit velocity. So that's solid. So that means so he is making, you know, some solid contact that may not necessarily always be resulting in hits, um, but he is still striking out a decent amount. Now, um, earlier this year, when the season began, he was striking out at a pretty high rate through the first week and a half, two weeks of the season. And then he was had dramatically cut that down and been hitting more consistently up until he ended up getting hurt. So maybe that ends up being the case again. Maybe he's, you know, as he's trying to find his way, you see those strikeouts elevated a little bit. And then a few, couple of weeks in, they start to come down and the hits start to go up. Um, I don't know. Um, I, I would still hopefully give him another week or two before I start to get concerned. But, you know, back injuries are they're finicky things like it, it's. It's tough, even though he says he is healthy. Um, it's tough to know for sure, you know, if he's, you know, really feeling his normal self again. Yeah, it certainly hasn't looked his normal self, at least not with the results. Um, and that's something that I think everyone's kind of pretty desperate for at this point, because everyone knows that uh, the two big bats in this lineup are Christian Yelich and Keston Hira, because um, they both have the potential to hit 300 and hit 30 plus home runs in a season. Um, and, and without that in the middle of this lineup, uh, it is very difficult for this group to put up the offensive numbers necessary to 
continually win. Uh, and that's something that I, I think everyone wants to see. Uh, and we're not quite getting yeah. it. No. Um, and it's it's getting frustrating because we're at almost two months now into the season and they still haven't been able to get things going offensively. And because of that, uh, a lot of people are looking to Andy Haynes about all this. And we've talked about this previously. We talked about it with uh, Vinny Rotino, a friend of the podcast, when we had him on. And, you know, Vinny was very much uh, against the idea of firing Andy Haynes at the time. But we talked to him about mid-April. Um, and, you know, I, I was always kind of against the firing of, of Andy Haynes, too. Like, just because things are bad two weeks in doesn't mean that that you should fire a guy. Um, but w- with the really the struggles of this offense continuing now through two months, I mean, I mean, we kept on saying it's like, okay, it's okay. They'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. This, this isn't going to, you know, last too long. Um, but you say that for long enough and it's like, okay, now we're two months into the season. It, at some point, something's got to, something's got to give either the offense has to hit or something's got to change. And the Brewers have already, brought in Willie Adamas to try to change the offense there. They've already sent down Keston here. They've, they've already basically pulled Urias from the starting lineup. Um, I mean, there's really only so much more they can do uh, with the players. Um, and then at some point, do you think they, they turn their attention to the coaching staff to, to make a change to try to spark something? Yeah. I, you know, by all rights, everyone we have talked to that has actual insight into the game speaks glowingly of Andy Haynes. You know, mm-hmm. he is, he's a professional. He's very good at his job. He's highly regarded, not just amongst the brewers, but amongst all of baseball, but kind of like you're getting it. Like at some point when things just keep not getting better, something you have to do something to light a fire under the players and in not just baseball in any sport sometimes that's a coaching change sometimes that's a head coaching change that's obviously not going to happen no council can have a lifetime contract for as far as i'm concerned um but assistant coach offensive defensive coordinators you know whoever often get the axe to kind of say hey we need to turn this ship around and so I guess one thing I would have to look back on is, you know, what is the Brewers record of firing one, a coach like that mid season? I don't feel like that's something that very often happens just off of my memory. Um, So for those who want it to happen, there might not be a good chance of it, but just the concept of it might be getting considered at this point, just for the pure sake of, Hey, we need to spark you guys. Maybe this will actually get it in your heads that uh, this is something we need to take seriously and get turned around. Yeah. I mean, it's, he, he's friends with Christian Yelich and like he's, he's known Yelich for, you know, as long as he's been a professional essentially. Um, And I mean, those two have a great relationship and it's very important to have, you know, a great relationship between your superstar and your assistant coaches and uh, your front office <clears throat> Green Bay. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> so you got to make sure that relationship is good. Uh, but yeah, we won't dig too far into the weeds <laughs> on that one. But um, and, and I don't really know if Yelich really has that kind of uh, or, or is going to try to take that kind of power within the organization. But I mean, when it comes to Andy Haynes, yeah, like l- like you said, like he has been spoken of glowingly from pretty much everyone else that we talked to that, you know, he's a hard worker. He's doing, you know, a, a really good job and he's helping these guys as much as he can. Um, but, you know, with the struggles continuing like this, I mean, the Brewers trotted out a lineup here on Thursday with five guys hitting below 200. And this is, this is two months in now. Like that, that's not something that, that should be acceptable or, or should be happening. You should not have five guys in your starting lineup that are hitting below the Mendoza line. Like that, that's just, it, that, that's terrible. You gotta get better hitting. And I mean, firing Haynes isn't going to magically bump everyone's batting average up 50 points. It's not. But you know, like you said, like maybe that will send a message like, hey, this is serious. Like we need you guys to hit. 
Now that that could make things better, it could make things worse. We saw the the New York Mets fired their hitting coaches early on in the season, and the players were very upset about it. Um, they they liked Chili Davis. They they liked their uh, hitting coaches over there. So you know that that could be something that backfires. It could be something that that helps. We don't know. Um, but yeah, the track record of the Brewers that's not something that they tend to do mid season. I, I think the last time the Brewers fired someone mid season was Ned Yost in 2008. Mm-hmm. And I think Mark Atanasio regrets that to this day, uh, firing Ned Yost in 2008 with 12 games to go, mm-hmm. going with Dale Swaim, and then Ned Yost ends up winning a World Series in um, Kansas City. Uh, I think that's something that, that Atanasio really regrets, and I really don't think that's something that he plans on doing mid season uh, now with Andy Haynes, despite all the struggles on offense. No, and you also have to remember, it's not like there's just, outside of Chili Davis, apparently, a a ton of hitting coaches just sitting there waiting to be hired. You know, the reason these moves get made in the offseason is because other hitting coaches are either let go or move on or whatever. And then, you know, there's a little bit of a coaching change carousel that happens. If you let go of Andy Haynes, who steps in as your hitting coach? I don't know enough about Cruz to know if he's ready to become a major league hitting coach. Um, and I don't know that any of our minor league ones are ready to step up to the majors. So who do you replace him with? It's just not as easy as just let him go and we'll bring in someone new. So yeah. that's that's another potential roadblock to doing it midseason. Yeah, and generally when you do a midseason coaching change, you just kind of promote from within, and you'll just kind of look elsewhere in the offseason. So that means, yeah, Jacob Cruz or, or whoever would uh, get moved up. or Because um, like what the Mets did, they also fired their assistant hitting coach. So if they were to fire both Haynes and Cruz, well, then what do you do? do you, I mean, then you'd have to pull from one of your minor league hitting coaches. Mm-hmm. And, and um you know, or I, I think they moved like their farm director from from there to the assistant hitting coach. It's like that's kind of a weird move, but mm. you know they did something like that. So you know, I don't think it's necessarily the the wisest choice, but you know, if they're if they feel that they are out of it, that they have exhausted all other options to try to get this offense going, uh, it may end up being something that they consider. But there, there's no rumblings of that actually happening. Uh, for now but one place that they did make a change uh friend of the podcast josh lindblom uh, has been designated for assignment uh, he's been in the long relief role out, out of the bullpen uh he's been brought in in games that typically the brewers were down by a lot and then uh after his outing the brewers were down by a whole lot more uh, his era was up over 10 on the season um, and it, it just kind of was something where he hadn't panned out. The Bruce signed him to a three-year deal uh, worth over $9 million. Uh, he still has $4.6 million remaining on that contract, um, and should he clear waivers, the Brewers said that uh, he will accept an outright assignment to Nashville, to AAA, and he'll try to work on stuff there in the rotation in Nashville, but uh, the Josh Lindblom signing is another, another move that Stearns made and that off season of 2019 that has not panned out. No, and understandable that you thought they would make, be able to make it work because they had brought um, Eric Thames over successfully from the KBO. They had brought uh, Jay Jackson over from uh, the Japanese leagues, um, and he was pretty decent during, uh, especially the end of that 2019 season as they were running into the playoffs. And so they thought they could, you know, maybe catch lightning in a bottle one more time with Lindblom and. Uh, he just never was quite able to make that adjustment to um, the states, even after, you know, talking to him about working on his um, spin efficiency over the offseason. It just that never quite translated. Um, and it's unfortunate. So, you know, Lynn Bloom is a great guy. You know, we love talking to him. Um, he's engaged with fans. Um, he's was a, is a great clubhouse presence. And so I, I rooted really hard for him. After we got him, I really wanted to see him succeed. Um, But I think when you look at that and the fact that the Brewers designated a guy who they still owed a decent amount of money for a small market team to for assignments, that shows that the Brewers, um, that combined with the Willie Adamas trade, 
shows that the Brewers, A, think that they're, they still really have a chance to make the playoffs as long as they make the right moves together, um, put the right moves together, sorry, and B, are wasting no time in doing that. They know that they have to do it now to get um, things looking a bit more consistent and start climbing towards the top of the division again. So um, you, you kind of put those together as well as even kind of smaller moves, you know, like the Arcia trade and, you know, other ones uh, in between. Uh, the Brewers are not afraid to start uh, kind of tearing small walls down right now in order to uh, right the ship. Yeah, it's something that uh, you kind of tell that they needed to do, but you didn't know if they were actually going to do it, you know, because he had that uh, guaranteed contract through next year. Um, So it's so you're like, hey, like you probably should send him down, but you can't option him because he doesn't have any options remaining. Um, And, you know, he really kind of needed that regular everyday or, the, or that regular routine, which he wasn't getting a, as a long reliever. I mean, he's someone who had been a starter for a number of years over in Korea. And, you know, he had that every five-day whatever routine. And he wasn't able to get that this year. And because of that, I mean, when he came in, I mean, it was generally short notice. Um, like when he came in to fill for Brett Anderson, because mm-hmm. Anderson got hurt. You know, he had a bad game. It's like, okay, but, I mean, you're coming in cold on short notice. He didn't get a chance to throw in the bullpen. So it's like, okay, it kind of makes sense that he had a rough day. But, you know, then it just kind of continued and continued. And um, he was really just kind of used in situations where it seemed like council was waving the white flag. Um, and you, you're almost better off throwing a position player out there um, on the mound. So, um yeah, it really kind of sucked. To, it sucks to see for Lynn Bloom personally, because obviously, you know, we like the guy. We talked to him. Very nice dude. Um, but it, it was something that really kind of needed to happen for the team. Um, and, and I mean, he's he's a team guy. He's like, OK, I understand. Um, I'll go down to, to Nashville and, and I'll work things out, you know, and, and I'll try to you know get myself in, in a good spot. Um, so, you know, it's something that you really kind of like to see from him and, and hopefully he can figure it out, uh, down there in Nashville. Um, one other big news, uh, story of the week, uh, Billy McKinney, Billy has been traded. He was designated for assignment um, a few days earlier. Uh, and then the New York Mets of all teams uh, that we were just talking about there, uh, they have a huge injury bug going around right now. It, it's as bad as the Brewers had it back in April, and they need outfielders. And so they decided to trade for Billy McKinney. Uh, they probably put in a claim, didn't want to risk uh, anyone else claiming him, and they also didn't want to wait uh, the extra few days for waivers to fully clear. So they decided to make a little trade, and they sent the Brewers a 17-year-old left-handed pitcher named Pedro Quintana. Uh, so finally, the Brewers have a Quintana of their own uh, in their organization. and no longer have to deal with Jose Quintana because uh, that was always a mess for them. Um, but Quintana, there wasn't much about him out there, but I did see this in the Journal Sentinel today um, that – uh, Quintana has a curveball and a changeup that stand out, and his fastball should improve as he continues to mature. Because keep in mind, he's he's essentially a junior in high school uh, <laughs> that, that they just uh, acquired. He's 17 years old, five foot eleven, um, left-handed pitcher, which I really like to see. Um, Brewer said that he's physical, athletic. Um, that uh, Matt Arnold said that our guys did a really good job on him as an amateur. We tr- we've tracked him for a while. The talent is really intriguing. Um, so he's athletic, physical, room for him to fill out and grow. And grow. Uh, when you think about guys like this, he may be a sophomore, junior in high school. So we're so thinking of where he's from a stuff perspective. Obviously, he's going to take some time to develop. But the ingredients that we saw of where he is right now in his development phase, we're really optimistic about this guy. So he just signed with the Mets as an international free agent out of Venezuela this past January. Uh, so he... Doesn't even have Dominican Summer League stats, um, has not played a professional game, just signed. And the Brewers, as we know, have a very strong presence in Venezuela, scouting-wise and uh, getting young talent from that country. Uh, they have a very strong presence. So, I mean, when they made this trade, I, I kind of figured, it's like, okay, this was someone that they had their eye on, 
for a while that they probably tried to sign, were not able to, and now they end up getting them. And this is reminiscent of the Adam Lynn deal, of the David Phelps deal, where they just get some lottery ticket teenage arms, and in this case, just one. Uh, But you get a lottery ticket teenage arm and hope you can develop into something. They hit on one lottery ticket with Freddie Peralta, and now they're hoping they can do the same with Pedro Quintana. That was exactly what I was going to say is my hope that that this guy turns. I I know it's my hope is that this guy turns into just that Freddie Peralta. You know, you just try and get what you can and, you know, hope it works out. And if it doesn't, you know, McKinney played a role for a few weeks for us. um, And, you know, we move on. Um, I think it is interesting and it kind of shows the nature of what can really happen with these, you know, the bottom half of the 40-man roster type guys where you have McKinney, you know, we brought him onto the team uh, last year and never really got a chance to, you know, get a look at him. Um, We finally get a look at him during the spring, but he was still in kind of this roster battle of, you know, the very end of the 26 man. Is McKinney going to make it? Is he going to get DFA? What's going to happen? Derek Fisher's injury ends up giving him a little bit more of a chance um, and then they decide to roll with them to start the season has that amazing catch in San Diego, you know, has some big moments here and there for the Brewers. Um, but he had definitely tailed off in his time here. His OPS plus was down to, it was, I just had it. up was like 60 something, not fantastic. 69. Nice. Um, <laughs> is what he was at for 2021. So, you know, it was, time to designate him for assignments they you know needed contributors especially with the offense struggling and we get an arm for him so we'll see if it turns into anything if it doesn't you know it goes down as a small chapter in brewers history yeah i mean it, it, it's an arm and he'll be down in the dominican summer league pedro quintana but i don't know i for whatever reason i've just got a good feeling about him you know the, yeah. the fact that the brewers um targeted him um that this wasn't just like a close your eyes and blindly pick a name off the off the DSL roster. I mean, this was someone that they had looked at as an amateur and, and had tried to sign and had been tracking them. Um, and it sounds like he's got three pitches. Um, so he, he could end up being a starter going forward. And he is 5'11", 165. Freddie Peralta, who we just kind of said, you know, we'd like him to turn into, is 5'11", and up to 200 pounds now. But, oh. but Freddie, has added, Freddie has added some muscle here in the, in the last few years. He has really kind of hit the weight room. Uh, I've seen that in his Instagram stories a lot. So, and I mean, Freddie's now 24. Um, so right. uh, when, when it comes to Quintana, you know, as he grows and matures, you know, he could put on that muscle too. And then he could be, you know, that 5'11", um, 200 some pound guy, but from the left side being a lefty with, with that kind of mix. So um, definitely a pretty intriguing profile there and and we'll see what happens with them. And, uh, the the Billy McKinney trade could end up being a a pretty big one. I mean, remember when uh the White Sox traded James or White Sox traded Fernando Tatis Jr. for James Shields? <laughs> now don't don't oh. get me wrong. I'm not saying Pedro Quintana is going to be Fernando Tatis Jr. But uh, it's just you never know what can happen with with these young teenage guys. So uh, it's going to be uh, something to keep an eye on for sure. Uh, so now let's move on to the mailbag uh, section of the podcast right. this week. So send out a mailbag uh, post on Twitter um, asking for uh, questions that you want us to answer. You can follow us on Twitter at coldbrew underscore pod. Um, uh, so we wanted to hear from you, the Cold Brew Podcast listener. And so let's get to a couple of the questions um, that have been asked. And we got the first one here from... At Bailey Flanders one, where does Urias fit in the lineup now? He can fill in a shortstop and second, but on a day to day, is he a bench pinch hitter role now? I'd I'd say probably. I mean, he he's he's in that like super utility role that, that the Brewers have said. Um, he's probably going to get going to get a decent amount of starts. Um, probably going to be maybe in more of a platoon with Travis Shaw. Because, um, I mean, Colton Wong, for the most part, is going to be playing every day. Um, Urias got to start at second on Thursday here because Wong got the day off. But uh, you're going to be seeing him a lot more at second and third, um, probably probably in more of a platoon-type role with Travis Shaw, I would think. 
Yeah, I, I have to agree. He might get some second base starts uh, just if uh, Wong needs a breather. Um, Adamus is the shortstop. He has played 324 of his career games at shortstop and 10 at second base, and that is it. So yeah. make no mistake, Adamus is the shortstop. So I think his easiest path to playing time is there with Shaw. It makes a lefty-righty combo at the plate. Um, but, you know, I think it's a little bit 50-50 between him getting his starts there and him coming off the bench. And you know what? The Brewers have used those types of guys in the past. You know, they need those super utility guys. So uh, that's not a bad one to have, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's a new role for him, but yeah, I, I think we might see him a lot more against lefties um, over filling in at third base. And, you know, just if anyone gets hurt or, or if anyone needs a breather, uh, but yeah, we're not going to be seeing him in the lineup quite as often. Uh, next, we got uh, from at Tyler from Tech. Uh, so we got Tyler here. Realistic trade options for both first base and third. How about Crone and Escobar? Talking about CJ Crone and Eduardo Escobar. And I mean, those are two guys that, that I like. Uh, I wanted the Brewers to sign Crone this offseason. They decided not to, and they got Colton Wong and, and moved here to first base. And now CJ Crone is hitting like 300 or something, I think, for the Rockies. Uh, so maybe they should have gone that direction. But um, I don't know if they're going to go for a first base addition. Um, I, I think they're really going to want to see what they have in Keston Hira. If he's still struggling two months from now when we get to the deadline, then maybe. Then I don't know what they do with Hira. I mean, maybe they'd send him down for the rest of the year, but that'd be a, a tough pill to swallow. Uh, but Eduardo Escobar, I I like him as a as a third base option at the deadline if Arizona is willing to trade him, which I mean perhaps they they should, but you know sometimes it sometimes teams just don't. Yeah, I, I like Escobar too. Um, I was also a big CJ Crone fan. Um, I I would like before anything happens, I still want the Brewers to take a look at Zach Green. He has been hitting very well down in AAA. We have some 40-man roster spots open, um, and he has minor league options left if he doesn't work. So I would love them to give him a shot. Um, and that, and Green can play either first or third. So if he did work out, it's not like you couldn't still get either Crone or Escobar. Um, so I would love to add Green to the mix and then take a look at Escobar. He hasn't been, you know, quite as good as you know some of his peak years. Lately, um, he's hitting 230 this year. He does have a 742 OPS, uh, which is kind of nice. Um, and he's actually currently, according to Baseball Reference, leading the league in RBIs. So uh, he is producing runs, and the Brewers need someone to produce runs. So I would be all for that. Um, don't know what the trade package ends up looking like and what uh, Arizona possibly ends up needing, but uh, I'm sure they, they are a team who loves to hoard prospects. That much I do know. And so I'm sure they would uh, love it, uh, some sort of deal that gets them, you know, a couple decent higher-end prospects. Yeah. I mean, I was I was having my eye on Trevor's story, but now with the addition of Willie Damas, <laughs> uh, I think that that ship has sailed. Um, but, yeah, I think third base is probably the most realistic place that they look. Uh, I like Escobar as an option. Um, you know, we'll kind of see who else becomes available. Uh, as the year goes on, but I don't think it's going to be Chris Bryant or uh, Jose Ramirez, you know, two guys I know a lot of people have talked about. Um, and I had that in an article that went up on the on the site this week about guys that we can already rule out, and I don't think those two guys are are coming. All right, now we got a question from at the Whiteout 52 from Zach here. Who is going to be at D Gasper 24's new jersey threat when the team <laughs> needs a hit? So I've been, you know, threatening on Twitter. It's like, oh, if if uh, Billy McKinney gets a, a home run here, I'm buying his jersey or something like that. You know, it was McKinney and it was it was whoever. Uh, so who is going to be my new jersey threat when the team needs one? And I tell you what, I don't know. Um, the 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 next guy that I was like thinking I'd want a jersey of was Luis Arias because I thought he was going to be the shortstop of the future. Uh, but now I'm not sure how much longer he's going to be here. Uh, so maybe I don't want to do that. Um, so <sighs> New Jersey threat, man. I don't know. I mean, I kind of would like a Vogelbach jersey. 
Um, mm. I feel like that will be something, and he kind of like hasn't come through that much this year. Um, so maybe it's Vogelbach. Um, but I also wouldn't mind maybe a, a Willie Adamas jersey. Um, now that he's apparently the shortstop of the future, but yeah, that, that that's what I'll say. I'll, I'll say Vogelbach or Adamas. It'll depend on the situation, but uh, maybe one of those two guys. I I mean, I want an Adamas jersey now just because I'm already in love with a guy after a week. <laughs> um, but if if the point of the jersey threat is to try and get someone hot to get a big hit, Cast I it. wonder. I, I well, see. That's my problem. Is I already have a Keston here jersey, so that's ah. just an empty threat. Um, if anything, maybe Kane or Bradley Jr. Bradley Jr. could really use you know some juice behind that bat, and I know he's a notoriously slow starter. Um, but I'd almost actually lean more towards Kane because I feel like if he could you know really uh, step it up a little bit, that that would be huge for the Brewers, especially if we can literally just get that guy on base more. You know, we know he. Uh, wreaks havoc on the base paths. Um, I mean, the the guy runs, you know, is able to coordinate running backwards on the base paths. I mean, specifically against the Cubs, but uh, to keep people on base. But I would say one of those two, if it it were me. But this is the the Jersey threat is a uh, David Gasper thing. So yeah, um, if it's Vogelbach, <laughs> let's let's let it be Vogelbach. Vogelbach. Yeah. What well, what an absolute unit that guy is. Um. Yeah, so his jersey, I feel like, would be fun. But, you know, you also don't know how much longer he's going to, to be here. Like, you know, if I'd actually, if there had actually been a situation where McKinney came through and it's like, oh, man, now I have to get a McKinney jersey. It's like, well, <laughs> that is now a waste of money because yeah. McKinney is gone. Um, so, yeah, like I kind of want it to be someone who will, like, be around for a while, you know. And that's why I also kind of want to back off from the Luis Arias jersey because, that's what I was thinking I wanted next before. Um, so, but really, I think the next jersey that I want is going to be Brandon Woodruff or Freddie. Um, but those guys, uh, you're not going to be asking them for hits too much. Uh, Speaking of, my but Freddie if, Peralta jersey just shipped from DH Gate today. So nice. that is the gray Freddie is on its way. Perfect. All right. Uh, another question here uh, from Carl at C. Jaisman uh, on Twitter. Oh, he's he's initiating the debate. I don't know if, if we want to get too much into this. Bunt or don't bunt <laughs> in the extra innings. Yeah, the, the bunt debate got re-sparked today mm-hmm. with uh, Keston Hura laying down a beautiful sacrifice bunt to get Omar Narvaez over to third in the 10th inning. Uh, and then Narvaez ended up coming around to score on Jackie Bradley's walk-off uh, single. Uh, but really kind of would have been a double because, I mean, even if he didn't bunt him over with uh, with the way Bradley hit that ball, he was going to score from second as much as he scored from third. So, But this has been the debate on Twitter. So, Matt, bunt or don't bunt when it comes to extra innings? I, despite the results of today, am still team no bunt. I'm happy they tried something different because I felt like they needed to just try something different just for the sake of you know, getting something to score. But, you know, I'm I'm a fan of the analytics. I know what they say in terms of the difference between success rates in uh, driving in runs with no outs and a runner on second versus one out and a runner on third. Swing away. Go for that homer, baby. Let chicks dig the long ball. So I'm team <laughs> no bunts. Yeah, I mean, for a guy like Keston here, the way he was hitting... I think you need to have him try to bunt. Yeah. Um, I mean, for some of these guys, you just kind of be like, okay, like you've had a bad day at the plate. Uh, you have had a bad season at the plate. We're in a situation where we need you to put the ball in play and get a guy over something you've struggled doing. So let's try with a bunt and just get him over. And I feel like it worked well today. Mm-hmm. Um, but like in general, you're not going to have Yelich or Narvaez or Garcia. Uh, you're not going to have those types of guys bunt. You know, if they're yeah. up in a bunt situation, you're going to have them swing. Like, that, that, that's just what you're going to end up doing. For a guy like Hira, it, it makes a little bit more sense. And Craig Council said that, you know, he's from, that they knew from coming out of college uh, that Keston Hira knew how to bunt. Um, he was taught that by his coaches there. So he knows 
how to do it. He can lay down good bunts, and he laid down a beautiful one here on Thursday. So uh, that's something we like to see. Uh, one uh, final question here on the uh, mailbag segment of the Cold Brew Podcast uh, comes from Dave at Dave Hahn 39 and it's simply playoffs? <laughs> playoffs? You're talking about playoffs? I just want to win a game. Oh, um, hey, there's a lot of season left. There's still a chance, and the Brewers are addressing areas of need to try and get there. It's going to be tough if you look uh, at the NL West in particular. I think I saw earlier today there's uh, three teams uh, with 30 or more wins. The Dodgers, Padres, and the Giants right now still. Um, The Giants started off strong. They probably end up fading a little bit as the season goes on. But there's a lot of strong teams from other divisions who are going to make getting one of those final wild card spots difficult. So uh, if the Brewers keep, you know, working on what they need to work on, keep addressing those uh, positions of weakness, absolutely the playoffs are still within reach. Yeah, I, I think they'll end up getting there. Um, It may be an adventure, uh, but I think uh, they'll end up getting there. And don't forget, Craig Timber is coming. So we still have have that to help out. So uh, that concludes uh, the mailbag segment this week. And that will conclude this week's episode of the Cold Brew Podcast. Be sure to follow Matt at MKEMatt13 on Twitter. I am at DGasper24. And be sure to follow the podcast Twitter account at coldbrew underscore pod. And be sure to follow at Reviewing the Brew. You'll find all of our articles uh, posted there. Um, and, and find us at reviewingthebrew.com. Uh, so thanks so much for listening this week to the Cold Brew Podcast. Uh, it's been an interesting week for the Brewers. A lot to talk about. And we'll have a lot more to talk about uh, next week. And hopefully we'll have a, another guest for, for us to talk to here. And, and you know get some more insight here on the Brewers. And... Uh, as the fun season goes on, as we flip the calendar to June uh, next week. So summer is, is here, and we can finally enjoy the warmer weather, hopefully soon. I, I know it's really kind of cooled down today, but uh, get that going soon. Uh, and we'll be back again uh, with another episode next week of the Cold Brew Podcast. We'll see you next time.